Friends, I'm so excited to be here tonight. We are going to start a new sermon series that will lead us to the end of the semester. Can you guys believe we are that close to the end? Just a few weeks away. I know for you guys it probably feels a lot longer than it does for us because you still have to get through finals, but you can do it. Well, the last couple of weeks as I've been preparing for tonight, I've been thinking about how there are times where I can clearly see God's timeliness in speaking a certain theme or message to me. Like, now is the time where I really need to lean in and hear that. And I really feel like preparing for tonight was one of those times. Because for me, personally, the last few weeks, I have just felt very hurried and restless. Like, my attention span is super short right now. And, like, I find myself just making excuses, mostly to myself, about why I just can't do the things that I know I need to do to be healthy and connect with God. Can any of you guys relate to that? Where things just get so hurried and busy um, that we feel like we no longer have the capacity to meet with God. We think that like here and now is just not the space where I'm going to be able to do that. And we really feel the urge to just like push him off a little bit. Like I'm, I'm almost to the end of the semester, right? Like that's a better time than right now. But for me, what I've seen is through like this huge fog of just hurried, busy, frantic kind of thoughts is just this pushing in a little bit from God saying, uh-uh, like here I am, I am right here. And that's where I've been getting to remember that, like, I can meet with God whenever, despite this season. Like, right now, I can meet with God. And that really is where we're going to be the next few weeks. We're going to enter into a new series called Here and Now. And I think so often for us, we make these excuses about, like, why we can't do the things we want to do here and now. And we think with God, like, God, I'll give you my time and my thoughts and my resources. I want to do that, but it's going to be later. But really, God's not asking us to follow him tomorrow. He's saying today that his mercies are here for us today, for us to take hold of and experience this life he has for us right now. So that's what we want to spend some time looking at. What does it mean to be present with God here and now. And so we're going to look at those practices over the next few weeks, practices of thinking about our time and our prayer life and our acts of service for God. All right, so this week we're going to look at time. What does it look like to prioritize time with God? Now for me, it's really hard to think about like practically day-to-day prioritizing time with God without like thinking it through, like how's this going to fit into my day? And so if you just can take a second to think about, like get a glimpse inside my mind, that really means for me, like I have to visualize it, okay? So I'm going to try to get over to this chair without tripping over the cord. So for me, when I visualize time with God, it first has to start with thinking about a chair in my house, okay? So for a chair in my house, my husband, lovely, he brought this chair for me here tonight. So 
because he rocks. So I'm going to sit in it for a minute because he did all the hard work to bring it. Okay, so I had to think about a chair in my house. This is actually a chair that you could find in my living room on the average day. And when I think about a chair, it's got to be a little secluded, like this chair kind of is in its own corner. And it can't be too comfy. This chair really borderlines that because it is pretty comfy. But I don't want to fall asleep, okay? So I'm thinking about time with God in the morning. I got to think about my chair. Check. Okay, the next thing when I'm thinking about what would this look like in this scenario, I think about how lovely it would be to spend time with the Lord with a toasty beverage. Okay, anybody else thinking that? So I have to think about, okay, get my beverage, my cup ready, so it's totally ready to go in the morning. All right? Cup. Check. The next thing is this right here. This blanket, if you know me, you know I love a cozy blanket. It's one of my favorites. So I don't want to be distracted by being chilly, especially this time of year. So I think through like, okay, put the blanket on the chair in the morning. Make sure that it's there. All right, so this is my scenario. Last part of it, though, is I really want it to be quiet. See, I live with four other humans. Three of them are rather loud, one not so much. Um, But in this time with the Lord, I do not want to hear them. Like the only permissible sounds for me might be some birds chirping out the window. That would be lovely. Or like the rumble of my electric fireplace this time of year. Yes. All right. So when that is met, I think, I am so ready for time with God. Like this is perfect, okay? But let's talk about the reality. As I told you, I live with four other people, which means that the reality of me being able to plan out my, like, prime morning, the loveliness of that, doesn't really happen, okay? Some mornings I've thought through the night before. Okay, I got my alarm set. I know where my, my stuff's all set out, but I get up and someone else is in my chair. David has decided, hey, that's my chair this morning in his own planning, okay? So I've got to recalibrate on the fly, like, where else could I go? Okay, so I'm thinking about that, and so I I might get away with finding another spot in my house. There'll be some mornings when I'm thinking about the toasty beverage, and I'm like, yes, but I don't quite make it to the microwave in time for, like, it not to beep and wake anybody up, and a child hears it, and there's down the hallway floor, and somebody's so excited to greet me and be awake. It's the sun is up, so they are up. Um, And so then I'm left with what? A blanket? Well, no, if there's a child, that means they've probably snuck in and taken half of my blanket. So now my morning is left with the quiet is gone because there's other people. And I'm really just disappointed. Like, okay, I've done my best. I planned it out. All this didn't work. And so what was the point? Like, maybe I should just not think about that this season. There'll be a different season when people don't want to bother me in the morning as much. Um. This chair really represents for me the struggle of what it is to prioritize my time with God every day. So maybe some of you here can relate to that. But maybe some of you can't relate to that at all. And, and it's not just because you, your like, end of your scenario doesn't end with a child taking your blanket. But maybe it's the fact that you've just never really thought about. Like, what does it practically look like for me to prioritize time with God every day? I think that that we can all relate to the struggle it is to prioritize the things that are important to us and to making sure those fit into our lives on a regular basis. 
So I don't know, this isn't me, but maybe it's some of you. Think about that with like your workout schedule. You're like, now is the time to be healthy. Christmas cookies are here. I've got to get to the gym. And so you think like, okay, today's the day. You woke up and you're like, I am really, I'm going to get to the gym today. But you have five minutes to make it out of your house before you have to get to class. And so you've got to find your shorts and your gym socks and your water bottle or whatever it is. And you have like no clean socks anywhere. You've looked under your bed, everywhere. You can't find them. And then you realize your water bottle is dirty, but your roommate is taking over the sink right now. And nothing is falling together. And so you just like run out of your house and say, I will not make it to the gym right now. I'm just going to deal with it. Like it is not this season for me to be healthy. Maybe when I get a real job. Like time is hard. Um, It is so easy for us to lose our focus and to be, um, I think we just, we really want to spend our time wisely, but we get consumed by these periphery things or all these distractions that are around us. And they provide us with some really great excuses for why we don't do the things that we want to actually do. And I know for me, Like when that pattern happens too often, when too often I try to do it and it doesn't work out the way I expect, that is when I do push it off entirely for another season. But I don't want to leave us here tonight in the middle of that struggle with like no hope, we're never going to do the things we want to do. No, I do think there is a lot of hope for us to be able to turn that ship around and to reclaim our time and our focus and to really learn how to be present, especially with God here and now. So we're going to look at a passage tonight. You guys, if you have your Bibles with you, you can go ahead and turn to the book of John, chapter 15. It will be up here, but there are some Bibles on the back table, and you can go and grab one of those tonight if you would like to have a Bible to follow along with. So while you are finding that passage, let me give you a little bit of context, because we're going to jump in in the middle of a story here in John 15. So there are books, John 13 through John 17, is this time that Jesus spent with his disciples on the night before he went to the cross. And so here he's talking about some ways for them to continue to live a faithful life. And he's giving them some really great stuff here. So where we jump in right now in John 15 is kind of right in the middle of that. And it says, starting in verse 1, and we're going to go through verse 8. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples." 
Now, this passage starts with one of the I am statements. If you look at the book of John, there are seven self-descriptions that Jesus gives himself in the book of John. And so this one says, I am the true vine, the true vine. And his father is the gardener. Now, vines, gardening, branches, this will all have been topics and um, things that would have been very common everyday things for first century Jewish disciples. I did a quick search on the word vine or vineyard and like how many times was that used in the Bible and it came up with 182 references in the Bible to this word. So this was an often used metaphor, especially in the Old Testament. You see this a lot. And often when it was used then, it was to represent God's people as a reference to them or the country, the nation of Israel. But here, Jesus is turning around and he is saying, I am the true vine. Um, So when we think about a vine, if you think about a plant, the vine is the supportive lifeline for a plant, like branches, fruit, and flowers, they are all connected back to a vine of some kind. So when Jesus says, I'm the true vine, he's really saying all things originate with him and are connected to him, that Jesus equals the true vine. All right, so we got the vine. Now this passage moves on to talk about branches. He says in verse 5 that he's the vine and that we, his people, are the branches. Now, some branches are not fruitful and they are cut off, which sounds rather scary. He also then goes on to say that some branches are fruitful, but they are pruned so they can be even more fruitful, which also sounds kind of scary. But when we think about these branches they are connected to Jesus. They're connected to the vine, and the vine gives them fruit, um, nutrients and energy so that they can be fruitful. But apart from that, they are weak and useless. So continuing on in verse 5, he says, If you remain in me and I in you, then you will bear fruit. But apart from me, you will bear nothing. All right, so you guys might be thinking, like, we made a pretty big leap there from time to vines and branches. Like what in the world do these two things have to do with one another? Well, right here in verse 5 of chapter 15, we get this Greek word meno. Can you guys say that? Meno? It was an easier one. Um, It's M-E-N-O, which is translated here in this passage as remain, stay, continue, abide, or lasting. One of my favorite commentaries to look at is by um, theologian Warren Wearsby, and he says this about the meaning of this verse in this passage. It means to keep in fellowship with Christ so that his life can work in and through us to produce fruit. That keep in fellowship here is this time aspect. Like it is vital for us to keep in fellowship with the true vine, to spend our time there. It's not just something good, but it's vital to us. Um, Wearsby goes on to say with the branches that we have the privilege of sharing his life, that's Jesus' life, and the responsibility of abiding. We have the responsibility of making time to abide in the true vine here and now. So, what does that look like for us? 
Um, I'd like to share with you tonight four things about what looking, like what spending time with the Lord would look like. Now, these are not four revolutionary things. Um, whether you're hearing them tonight for the first time or for some of you, it might be the hundredth time. I think it is really important for us to take some time and just remember in the hustle and the busyness of a semester um, what it is really like to be present with God here and now. So we're going to start with number one. And all of these are on the back of your announcement sheet. If you want to flip that over and follow along, you can do that. So for number one, this semester I have been reading the book of Luke with a few CSF ladies here, and I have just loved it so much. It's been really good to go back and read through this gospel account. And a few weeks ago as I was reading, I was in chapter 11. I felt one of those times where like a tug to pause what I was reading and to dig in just a little bit deeper to what it was saying. And chapter 11, verse 1 starts out with this. It says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And I was like, a certain place? Like, does that have any relevance to this verse? Like, was it like, this is a special place that Jesus goes to pray? Or did this Luke just kind of like throw that out there as a transition to us? So I dug a little bit into the certain place, like to see if this had any special meaning for us. And I looked at a commentary and actually it just really doesn't have any meaning. Like he was just trying to draw attention to the fact that Jesus had a regular practice of praying and at this certain place, he was doing it again. It said five times prior to this reference in verse um, one of chapter 11, Luke had mentioned the practice of Jesus praying. This was something normal in Jesus's life to do. So the end of verse one says, you know, he said um, at this time, Jesus went to pray in a certain place. And it says, when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. It was like in this moment, disciples finally realized like, hey, this isn't like just, you know, a weird thing like sometimes Jesus does, but no, this is like rather important that he prays. Maybe we should ask him what that looks like for us. How do we pray? So I believe that that same invitation is open for us today to ask that same question. Like, Jesus, can you show us how to be present with you now and to learn how to pray? So Jesus lays out a model in Luke 11 that you can look up later of how to do this. And probably you're more familiar with the model that's very similar to this that's in Matthew 6, which is the Lord's Prayer. And that's in the Sermon on the Mount. And he lays out just some really basic ways of like, this is how you pray. Prayer allows us to just be with the Lord, talking to him, but also listening to him. So we're going to stop there on prayer because, spoiler alert, Gretchen is going to talk about prayer next week, and it's going to be really exciting. And she's going to talk more about prayer and how we can contend for other people as part of our prayer. So we're going to move on now to practice number two, which is the word. Um, when we think about spending time with God on a daily basis, on a regular basis, we should think about spending some time in the word. Because just as we see Jesus in the Gospels praying, we also see that Jesus knows the word. We see when he is tempted in the wilderness, he, what does he use against Satan? He uses the word against him. He also, we also see Jesus when he's in some of the synagogues pulling out the word to kind of point to himself. 
in John chapter 1, which is the first chapter of the book we're in tonight, like very literally, John describes Jesus as the word became flesh. Like Jesus is the word. And as I was thinking about this, I was like, it's pretty amazing for us right now that like there are so many copies of the Bible in this room. Like, it's on our shelves. It's here. You can take one home tonight. It's behind me up here. Some of you have your devices out looking at the word. Like, there is no shortage of us being able to find a way to connect with the word. Uh, 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us, All scripture, which is the word, is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Like, spending time in the Word is worth our time. It's worth our time to make this a priority so that we can be encouraged and taught and corrected in learning how to do our life of faith. All right. You guys ready? Number three is confession. This is another important practice that we think about when we are spending time with God. And a practice that we just don't really like to talk about very often. And it probably makes us a little, like, squirmy in our seat. I know it does for me whenever I have to think about confession. So if you've walked with Jesus for a while, you probably have a pretty good understanding of what confession is. But if you haven't, it's really just simply the practice of admitting to God, like, when we have messed up, when we've sinned. And sin is just a Christian word that we say when we've just not done what's God's best for us. I like to think of it as like when we've missed the mark for what God has set for us. Um, it could be for us like when we've spoken out in anger against a friend and we need to confess that to God and apologize to the other person. It could be when you um, confessing that when you asked your professor for an extension on a homework assignment that maybe you didn't exactly tell him why you were late on that assignment. Maybe it's because you watched too much Netflix. And you just need to confess, like, I wasn't very truthful in that. Or maybe it is thinking about when you've missed the mark, like thinking back over the last weekend. And maybe you did some things that just weren't really honoring God with your body. And you have to confess that to him. First John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. See, God desires to be reconciled with us. He doesn't want any barriers between us and him. And he gives us the opportunity to make it right, to come before him and confess and be whole and right with him again. And we can do that right now, here and now. There is no barrier between um, us and him in that. All right, our very last practice, number four, is obedience. And that might seem weird to like write that down as a practice. Like you're like, that doesn't seem very practicey. But I think we would be off if we really think of it otherwise, because obedience requires action and doing. Like spending time in the Lord. Um, spending time with the Lord in prayer and the word and regular confession really should make our lives look different than what they were before. Our staff has been reading a book um, last month by the author David Platt called Something Needs to Change. And I just can't stop chewing on this line from the book. And it says, I don't want to live a life unaffected by the Lord. 
Like, I don't want to live a life unaffected by the Lord. And I can so relate to that. Like, I don't want my life to be the same as what it used to. Like, spending time with God should make it different. And now, obedience doesn't have to be like this huge, scary, hairy, big deal in our life. Like, sometimes obedience may require a lot of us. But I think more often than not, obedience is just the small steps of following God throughout our entire life, of spending time with him and redirecting where he might call us to act out in kindness or in generosity or to make this decision. It doesn't always have to be big and overwhelming. So spending time connected to the true vine and abiding in him is a gift. It really truly is a gift for us. But that does not mean that this like automatically develops overnight, that you're like, yes, I'm convinced time is important. And you're going to wake up and further here on out, it's going to be like easy breezy. Like I really hope and pray for you that that would happen. But probably more likely it's going to take some cultivating for us, some really digging in and nurturing this time to be able to figure that out. If we think back to that John passage tonight, it said that every branch that does not bear fruit um, is tossed away, and every branch that does, he prunes. Now, I don't know about you, but I like know next to nothing about pruning. Did any of you like have a garden growing up? Yeah, so some of you may know more about pruning or had some really pretty bushes that your parents made you help with the pruning process. In my family, we had no such things. So for me, pruning really, I really found out about this when David and I brought our, bought our first house, and we bought it in the spring, and um, it had this beautiful flowering tree in the front yard. So this is not a great picture of the tree. I couldn't find a great picture, but these are the blooms from the tree um, that we had, and we thoroughly enjoyed that tree that first spring. It was so pretty, but the next spring came around, and the tree was like a little shaggy, a little heavy, And it wasn't really doing its best, and we were clueless about, like, what we should do about it. And thankfully, we had a neighbor, an old guy named Paul. He lived across the street, and he was so kind to us, new homeowners. And in this case, he could really see our cluelessness, so he came over with his shears and his ladder, and he gave us a lesson in how to prune and take care of this tree and how if we really wanted it to bear fruit and to be beautiful and to grow, it was going to take some work on our part to help it. And it was just amazing to see that. And I think that same way about our spiritual lives. Like, if we want to see this fruit, it's going to take time. It's going to take us prioritizing doing these things because we don't just fall into more kindness and faithfulness. We're not just automatically more peaceful and patient because we really want it. It takes time in the word and learning more about God for us to be able to do that. So that's where I want to end tonight for us with this question. What does the, this rhythm of being connected to the true vine, that's Jesus, look like for you? Not in another season when it's like this ideal season for you to do it, but right here and now today to do that. What does consistent and daily time with Jesus look like? A couple years ago, um, some of you may remember this, we talked about the first 15. Was anybody here for like the first 15 season? Yeah, yeah, that was really good. Gretchen taught how, us about how it's so important to just think about like spending the first 15 minutes of our day dedicated to spending it with the Lord and how that we really need this consistent daily time in our lives. 
Um, so I'm going to challenge us to think about that again. There's a paper on your seats that you can pull out that just has a little bit of information about this. And um, I don't know what it is. Like for me, it's having it set out and planned out ahead of time. Like I have to know where my Bible and my journal is and I have to know where I'm going to go to make this happen. But that might not be the case for you. It might be a different hang-up for you. But I want to challenge our community to figure it out this week. What is it that we need in order for us to be present with God here today? So this sheet might be a help to you. It might not be. But if you are looking for like, I've not really ever thought about what um, some time with the Lord might look like, here are some questions and things for you to think about based off of what we've talked about tonight. If you need a place to start, I would just recommend starting in John 1. We have spent a lot of time in John this semester. Our whole Ordinary People series was stories out of John, and we're back there tonight. It might be good for you to think about going back and reading that book in its entirety, a chapter a day, and to be able to meditate and pray through that. For some of you, it may really just be accountability, that you need someone to say, stop snoozing your alarm three times and using up all the time you're going to spend with God today and then rushing the class. It might be like you ask the person next to you, like, text me tomorrow morning, and I'm going to text you, and we're going to say, okay, wake up. We're going to actually do this today. So find someone. If that's it, I would love to do it. I'm sure there are many people in this room that would be more than willing to be your accountability partner in this. If you're like, I am still, like, new to Jesus at all, and this is completely overwhelming. I have no idea about this. That's okay, too. Like, just think about what it might be even to start spending some time asking some questions that may have brought you here tonight that you're curious about. And maybe that's doing it for the beginning with somebody else as you ask those questions and think about it. But I really want our community to set aside our excuses and our busyness and just be open-handed and present with God here today. So would you guys pray with me about that? God, we love you, and we are so grateful that you are a God that wants to be present with us, that you are not hidden or far away, but that you would reach down through the fog of our busyness and our restlessness and speak to us. Lord, help us this week, please, to figure out our rhythms of how we can be present, how we can say no to the things of life that distract us and pull at our time and want our energy, Lord, and instead look at how we might live lives that are present with you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Mm-hmm.